listening to Downworlder Dish, a Shadowhunter Chronicles podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 60, where we will be jumping into Clockwork Angel and discussing the prologue and chapter one, The Dark House. I'm Kristen. I'm Robin. And I'm Amanda. All right. Holy crap, dude. I just have to say really quickly, did you just say episode 60, like six zero? Uh-huh. Episode it's amazing. 60. Crazy. I can't believe we've been doing this for a year. I know. We have stayed so dedicated, you guys. (gasps) Dude, for real. (laughs) I don't think I've ever stayed this dedicated to anything but my family. Dude, I wasn't this dedicated (laughs) to my first marriage. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm just saying. That's great. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's it's been crazy. And there was a pretty significant response to our little chit chat for pre chain of iron. I was really surprised. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to talk about what's out now. I'm super jealous that I couldn't that I couldn't even listen. I think by I think by the time the so- next like <laughs> I think by the time the next new book comes out, you'll be caught up. Probably. I I started listening listening to Heavenly Fire again tonight. I'm rolling back in. I just gotta <laughs> gotta stick with it. Just push through that last bit. <laughs> Get done with the clay. Yeah. Yeah. That's on. why I'm super excited to start with the clockwork. I'm excited. This is great. Oh yes. Oh hello Wednesday. My <laughs> my minion has <laughs> climbed on the back of my chair and she's gonna sit here and stare at you while I love we it. We record. Um, speaking of Chain of Iron, holy Toledo Batman. It came out last week. Holy crap. Um, we are recording this on Thursday, so it came out two days ago. But I just, like, I started it on Tuesday, but I'm, like, taking my time. And I'm only on, like, 150 pages. I'm only, like, 150 pages in. But I am like, oh, there is so much. And I have so many theories, but I don't have anyone to awesome. talk to about them because Robin hasn't started. Amanda, you're not there yet. I'm on an island and it hurts my soul. I need to dedicate my life to the book. So mm-hmm. I haven't been able to like. <gasps> Where's oh. Jason at? He hasn't started yet. Okay. We're probably going to start um, on our way up to the cabin on the audiobook because I have that too. It's so I can awesome on Chain of Iron. Chain of Iron. Gold. So I can get him kicked off on that. Because, okay. yeah, he's okay. already all caught up. So he's ready for it. Wow. Love it. It's weird to think I didn't read Chain of Gold at all. It was completely mm-hmm. the audio book. And so. Neither um, did it's I. It's weird to think like. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, you, Kristen sent me some like TikToks that were like super hilarious and, um, they have the characters names and I was like, who is that? But it was Ariana, uh-huh. but I had never read her name before. And I was like, oh. who's that? Was like, oh, <laughs> duh. Like, and then, um, never mind. Never mind. Nope. This I know. Non, non-spoilery. Move on. But yeah. I'll call that shit out. But if I can find some that only have TMI for right now, I will send them to you, Amanda, because they're so fucking funny. They're, and they, they just fit the character so well. The Jace stuff, I'm just like, fucking hell, really? Yes. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I wish I could search for stuff, but I just, I can't. Yeah. I'm worried I'm going to spoil yeah. it. So I'm just not, I don't yeah. do anything. <laughs> Maybe. I was telling Amanda. Mm-hmm. Oh, Go I was ahead. just going to say, maybe maybe when you get there, we'll do like a, a Vines reaction video and watch them together or something. Yeah. I think that would be fun. <laughs> uh, I was telling Amanda, we should do after, like, we should do two end of book episodes okay. and do one that's like wrapping up the book and then one that's like the book with spoilers and do like a bonus. Ooh, that would be fun. So it's like yeah. how it connects everything through. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys have any ideas uh, for, you know, bonus episodes or things like special things that you want us to talk about that maybe we haven't covered or 
or whatever, um, hit us up in our DMs on Instagram. That's the best way to contact us. Um, let us know. Uh, we'll, we're going to try and be better about posting on Instagram, uh, like places where you guys can comment and give us some feedback and things like that. So, um, yeah, and Instagram is the most efficient way to get a hold of us for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much the only thing we check. <laughs> Do we have a Twitter? I don't even know. Okay, I good. I don't understand the point of Twitter. It's very confusing to me. I'm too old for it. Yeah. I'm trying to be young with my middle part, right? But awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's as far as I've gotten. Yep. But yeah, I'm really excited about trying I tried Mar- the middle part. Oh, sorry. Mm-mm. You tried no, the middle I part? Just, I tried. Not for me. <laughs> I'm too fat for that shit. <laughs> and probably too yeah. old. Because even in the 90s when the middle part was a thing, yeah. I had the bangs. The big bangs. Oh, yeah. The yeah. barrel roll bangs. Yeah, my hair could not support them, but I still did it. <laughs> yes. So, um... Cool news. Amanda has some good information for us. And good inf- I mean. We never thought of something no, to say. We did that. We didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. I don't. No one's coming up with anything creative for me. Just kidding. I don't give a shit. Okay. Listen. Here's the thing. <laughs> this is an amazing review. And thank you very much. But I cannot pronounce this because the name is. Okay. That was thank you. Good. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Their post or their reviews titled Love It, which I love. And this is the first time I'm reading this, so I'm going to be reacting with everyone. It says, I don't usually listen to podcasts, but I love this one. It makes me think much more about the character development and plot. And every time I listen, it, every time I listen, I have to pause to go on a 20 minute rant about how much I love Alec and dislike how Jace treats him or whatever else I want to rant about. I recommend this podcast to literally everyone who has a soul. broad audience I I love it (laughs) and I think this is the best podcast in the entire history of the universe Kristen shares pretty much all of my opinions too so that's nice (laughs) thumbs up we got a fellow salty bitch (laughs) oh that was a great review thank you that's amazing I love it amazing I love it oh everyone that has a soul should listen that's the best right I mean (laughs) well and we found out at the end of City of Glass that you know vampires and werewolves are sold right yeah Raziel said so so they should also listen yep what's up yeah that's I mean we're we're there's a word and I can't think of it awesome we're way more marketable than I thought we were (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, my hands aren't sweaty anymore, so I think we're good. I mean, you would every time we record. You wouldn't know it by our S- uh, SEO, but you know, <laughs> cool. It's all good. All right. So we don't have a Robin's recap to kick things off because hmm. we are starting in a brand new time, people. I have chills literally right now. Amazing. What year is it? We'll get to that. 1878. Yep. Set the scene. I I literally say I have to set the scene. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to preface this for just a second. So my section is just the prologue because we did the prologue in the first chapter. So my section is like specifically just the prologue and I decided to take a little bit of a different approach this week. Um, while I was prepping for the episode, I noticed that I was like, I was reading through the prologue and I was seeing a lot of like technical stuff jump out at me. And so I thought it might be cool to kind of shift our perspective a little bit and look at like analyzing the prologue through a technical lens. 
Um, so I guess like let me know if you hate it. <laughs> um, hate it. Just but, <laughs> without further ado. So because um, of my love for this series and the fact that I am 100% that dramatic bitch, uh, let me set the scene <laughs> for you. <laughs> London, 1878. It's a dreary April night. The moon bright, casting sharp shadows through the fog-smeared streets and alleyways of the port district, the city's bedrock of debauchery. <laughs> We meet William Herondale just as he dispatches a demon. A demon. Who is this mysterious demon slayer hunting in the shadows? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't keep it together. So, well, from the first page, I'd venture to guess he's one of our primary characters. Since the second sentence starts with his full name. And given the context of context of our introduction, I'd say he's Nephilim. <laughs> or these are just my, face? these are my context clues. Okay, <laughs> so we still don't have any idea what his character looks like, but given the information previously described, coupled with the fact that Mr. Herondale immediately and enthusiastically turned around to ensure somebody witnessed his glory. I think it's safe to say we've got one of Jace's ancestors on our hands, and I am here for it. <laughs> I just want you to know these clapping emojis that you put in the doc. I thought they were tacos. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry that I have to interrupt you, but I can, and I will, and I'm going to. Do it. <laughs> I remember when Amanda got to this part mm-hmm. in the book. And she was like, why do they keep saying, like, his entire name, <laughs> William Herondale, William Herondale, William Herondale. She's like, I don't like it. Make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like when my husband and I first started dating and he kept texting and saying my name. And I'm like, can you please Ew. stop? It's creepy. Ew. I don't like it. <laughs> I think there's something seriously wrong if my husband says my name. I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> Those Amazon packages were not mine. (laughs) (laughs) They had your name on them. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Okay, so Will takes off in search of his recently disappeared companion. And we spend a few paragraphs adjusting into his character and personality and kind of like the style of his mind because it's written in third person. So we can kind of get to be inside So when Will comes across a policeman on his search for Jem, that trademark Herondale charm is on display as Will, invisible due to his glamour, debates whether or not to mess with the copper, a la Harry Potter using his invisibility cloak to screw with Malfoy. Nerd. (laughs) But, like, I really... I, I took note of the playful way that, like, even Will within his own mind is, like, joking with himself. He's like, I could take his hat and, like, you know, screw with him. And, what, you know, he, like, looks around. Where is it? It's floating, you know. It's just. I would totally do that. It just kind of gives you a little bit of a snapshot. And, like, we know that he's playful now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that playful mischief acts as a thread connecting us back to Jace, um, almost creating a sense of nostalgia. So it kind of like by showing us this part of him, it reminds us of Jace and then kind of like makes us feel more comfortable in this new story because everything's brand new. We don't know anything about these people. So, um, Okay, so I I think it's really interesting. It's a really interesting writing trick that goes a long way to settling the reader into a new set of characters by making our first introduction feel familiar. That's what I was trying to say. Definitely. But I got ahead of myself. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know about you guys, but whenever I read like spinoffs or prequels or even just like a new book by an author that I love, my biggest worry is that I won't fall in love with the characters the same way. Or even worse, the characters will end up being like lackluster copies of the originals. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I have to say, I, I'm remembering back. I, I didn't go back and reread this section, but I'm, everything's coming back to me as you're saying it. And I just am so excited, but, um, I didn't love this. It kind of, I don't know. I mean, I'm excited about going back in time mm-hmm. and the, you know, but it felt kind of dirty and I kind of missed my characters again. And so, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. What about you, Robin? I don't, I just think that, I don't know how much I've really read where it's anything like this. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten so comfortable with Cassie being able to switch world and timelines mm-hmm. and characters. And like, I've said it a million times and I'll say it again. My favorite book is a book I'm currently reading. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to that conclusion. And it's, I don't remember the first time feeling anything except just being excited to like, mm-hmm get another shadow hunter book and now it seems i can't think of any other series i've read that yeah. does that and does it so yeah. well mm-hmm. because i totally like parallel with will yeah. and jace and it did feel mm-hmm. like yeah. comfortable but not in a way that it overpowering was, i wouldn't say cheaply done but that seems like it's a weird yeah. thing to say it wasn't a beam right movie, okay right and i think that's like <laughs> i get the same thing with like just authors that I like who just write standalones or whatever if I fall in love and I've loved like the last five of their books that every time a book comes out I'm like is this going to be the one that I don't like that's going to disappoint me you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I don't know like all the Harry Potters I no go wash your mouth out with soap right now (laughs) (laughs) young lady yeah, but I I think you're absolutely right though that that tie between Jace and Will. I remember thinking like a lot of the time, yep, that's totally Jace. Uh-huh. Oh my god, this motherfucker is totally Jace. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's totally something he would do. Exactly. And I I think Cassie is really the only author that I can think of right now that like never been disappointed in in character okay. like in in the way that like I've fallen in love with characters the characters in every series like even if it's not Mm -hmm. all of them I've still like had a deep connection yeah I mean there's always some characters that kind of fall right for me but for the most part right like the main I know I'm not going to be disappointed by her books that I think I think that's my my biggest thing is is I just there's just I know that I have confidence that I'm going to just enjoy the hell out of this it's going to be it's probably going to destroy me emotionally but <laughs> I will be yeah. happy about it because this right. this is the way I relax <laughs> it's like me with murder shows yeah, exactly <laughs> no I do my murder podcasts on Monday <laughs> uh, okay oh, so there- awesome as we were kind of to segue off of what we were talking about, there's like this fine line between drawing the reader in and making them comfortable by using like what they love about the previous uh, series or previous book or what have you, whether it be like the style or the, the pacing or whatever it is. Um, But then also give your characters and your story enough differences and enough space, space, enough um, enough space <laughs> enough space to like breathe and be their own thing um and it's just, it's just something that Cassie did really well between TMI and TID um and i think the difference in era really helps make this distinction mm-hmm. because the societal norms of you know late 1800s england w- really do dictate like interactions between characters and their personalities to a degree because they can only like there's there's limits on how they can express themselves so I think it makes you kind of you kind of uh pick apart their personalities in a different way because they're they're doing different things and behaving in different ways than they would in modern day New York you know absolutely absolutely and yeah Tessa and uh, Clary are not gonna act the same no and it makes every every little bit of like romance that much more exciting (laughs) because there's so much tension it's like they're alone in a carriage my ankle yeah exactly (laughs) everything is such a big deal there's not i feel like we deserve new 
characters and a no another trilogy every 10 years of time. <laughs> yes. Okay, every we decade. One in the 20s. We deserve one in the 30s. We deserve one in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. The 70s. We earned yeah. this. <laughs> that yeah. sounds like so much work. She's literally a millionaire because of us. Like, I feel like. I mean, it's true. I mean, at the same time, the as same. a writer, like, that's the the most cringy, like, horrible thing you could hear is, like, that you owe, that it's not your oh, own yeah. creation. But, like. I'm a reader and I like it. <laughs> yeah. I would right. probably say every 20 years or so, maybe every 25 so you can get that generation. Right. I just I want I want an 80s Shadowhunter book. I want See, I was thinking 90s, early 2000s. Like like yeah. Clary's going to Insync concert. <laughs> <laughs> I just really want punk rock uh Valentine. Like I need it in my life. I need yes. him to be a gutter punk for sure. Oh, that's great. Uh, oh, my shit. gosh. Okay, so back to our prologue, because we're still on the fucking prologue. <laughs> and I'm only, like, half done with my spot. <laughs> so while Will shares a certain joie de vie with our beloved Jace, he <clears throat> he is absolutely more of an extrovert and has this, like, performative quality to his personality that I freaking love. It is so not me, but I love it. (laughs) And of course, this is beautifully demonstrated when Will is searching for Jem and shouts into the night air. I apologize in advance. I can't wait for this. Are you doing it? (laughs) Don't psych me up or I'm not going to be able to do it. Don't watch. James Costas, Jem, where are you, you disloyal bastard? That was beautiful. It was terrible. Okay. I can't listen, do Welsh, you're... so I just did like generic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, how the hell? Okay, now do it in Essex accent. <laughs> James Costas, Jem, where are you, you disloyal bastard? I don't know. I just tried to imitate Chris Pratt. Imitating someone from <laughs> Always Essex, yeah. from Graham Norton. Oh shit! <laughs> okay, so tell me, how is Jem a nickname for James? I don't know. How is Jim nope. a nickname for James? I agree. But how it's is true. Bob a nickname for Robert? The list goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. And Could you Bill imagine for William? If they were like Bob Lightwood. <laughs> Bobby. Yeah. Bobby Lightwood. Oh, you know Bob Lightwood? <laughs> yeah, he's a real, real stand up guy. Real stand up guy. Bob. Uh, yeah. No, his name would be Bob if the institute was in Portland or Seattle instead of New York and he'd wear a flannel. Yeah. He'd be basically Luke. Yeah. And I would call him Bob. Bob <laughs> Well, and then we have Rod, we have Rod Morgenstern. Oh, God. So. <laughs> oh, anyway, sorry. I just, I like the name Jem. I think it's, I think it's cute, but I just, James doesn't, Jeremiah maybe? Like, Jem? James? No. Jimothy. Jimothy. Yeah. It was so funny, like, the first I think it was like into the the second or third chapter of this book. We were Jason and I were listening in the car together. We were on a road trip. And he's like, "It sounds like he keeps saying Jem." And I'm like, "No, no, no. <laughs> he is. He is." <laughs> what did he think he was called? His name? Jim. He he thought it was Jim, Jim. but like it was okay. they sounded weird. I'm like, yeah, no, that no, makes no. sense. I I can't be in love with someone named Jim. I'm sorry. <laughs> Doesn't work for me. <sighs> so we can already tell that Will is going to be arrogant, charming, and infuriatingly lovable. So basically the recipe for love potion number nine. Right? <laughs> He's definitely going to be... A heartbreaker. I can feel the pink bubble hearts popping up around my head as I'm reading. Your eyes are hearts. Your little emoji. Yeah, and they're like, goo-goo, goo-goo, goo-goo. Yeah. 
So the as of yet still unseen gem heard Will's cry and calls him over to a nearby alley where Will finds him covered in B-L-O-O-D blood. Don't worry, it's not his. So apparently, like all shadow hunters find themselves in these kinds of situations. Um, it's not just like a New York Institute thing. It's <laughs> like, you're covered in blood. It's not mine. <laughs> and But then it never happens again, right? Like you never in the entire series of books do they go like trolling for demons, just like at the very beginning of City of Bones. Like they were out like chasing this demon in the club and then they literally never did it again in the entire series because they were so busy with everything else going on. They were busy trying to save the world, Amanda. Yeah. Get your priorities straight. Sorry. So while it's a good thing that the pale silver fox isn't hurt, the blood is from an extremely dead girl. Now, Extremely dead. Quick sidebar before we get into this. It isn't the time, but I need to cut in real (laughs) I need I need to cut in real quick and put in a disclaimer. We will get to all things hot and smexy and names James and named James Carstairs in due time, my friend. And I have a lot to say on the matter, but we're not there yet. So moving on. The interaction between Jem and Will is done really well here and instantly we can tell that Jem is the counterweight to will's exuberance right he's very like (laughs) and Jem's like chill the fuck out bro so Jem is definitely the alec yeah he's measured (laughs) and he's thoughtful and he really grounds will's more out of the box thinking so i we can definitely like immediately we know what the dynamic is um Mm -hmm. and i also definitely get the gothic mystery theme coming through really, really strong in this scene. Um, we, it gives the reader a sense of what the book in the series is going to like, how it's going to feel the style. And it's giving me very strong Sherlock vibes. Yeah. That's why I said it kind of feels gross, which was a stupid word, but yeah, it just makes me feel like it's like moist around there. And <laughs> it is definitely kind of warm. <laughs> I don't like it. I feel like you need to be a little bit more descriptive. Okay. You need to say Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock. Well, it doesn't, though. So we can all get, like, a really good... It doesn't, though, because that's modern. I know, but I just want to say Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, he's the only only real Sherlock in, in video format. This is true. That's an accepted known fact. Yes. Cumberbitch. I'll answer to that yep. till the day I die. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, it's interesting. So, like, the theme for the mortal instruments that I would, like, or I guess I shouldn't say theme. Theme isn't the right word. The, the feel or the style or kind of the aesthetic of TMI for me was really like the city. The city played a major role in the whole story, right? Like it was like all, it was all about New York. It was like the thing. And I think that London plays a similar kind of, has a similar kind of influence, but I think the attachment of like 1800s London with, the media that we've consumed as a society as like Americans it's like Sherlock Jack the Ripper like that's what we think about when we think about that time so I think that is going to be our through line and we've already established that this is going to be like a mystery so Mm -hmm. I don't know it's interesting I'm rambling this is what I do I nerd out over stupid shit like this so sorry (laughs) yeah I don't know if we could know that from the prologue Oh, like the mystery, you know, like, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Just it being like the story throwing through and everything. Like mm. that. I like it. Right. Regardless. I mean, but I yeah, don't know if we could have known that just from reading the prologue. And right. There is a murder. We're, we're sitting the stage. But yeah, we don't know how far these things are going to. Well, we do. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, you should leave okay. it in because I like it. I'm not going to cut any of this. But it was just <laughs> we're just going to have this whole conversation. I wouldn't. I like it. 
So um, Will and Jem play off each other to come up with a working theory. The Shaxx demon that Will was chasing and killed in the first sentence of this book. (laughs) He's so badass. Right? Was probably sent out to track down the girl, but wasn't what killed her. She was stabby stabbed to death with a serious looking knife. And according to Jem. That's not a knife. (laughs) This is a knife. According to Jem, the etching of the two serp- of two serpents eating each other's tails was called an Ouroboros, an alchemical symbol, Will points out, which they both determine means stupid mundanes who want to fuck with shit they don't understand. And apparently That's it doesn't me. matter if you're in 19th century London or 21st century New York, Mondays still be Mondays. What, what? Mondays for realsies. <laughs> Just trying to fuck with shit, man. Uh, I love that you said Monday. <laughs> it was just for you. I thought of you Thank specifically. You. I love it. It was derogatory, so <laughs> Monday was <a> Got it. <laughs> With an intriguing mystery and a working theory in hand, the boys start to plan the next steps in their investigation. And maybe they'll get... Pr- and maybe they'll get permission while they're at it. Maybe. I spelt there wrong. <laughs> I did. I fixed it. After I heard the line. I gotta fix it. <laughs> yeah. We flip over to Tessa Gray's point of view. Another main character because we get first and last name. Right. Good point. And she has a point of view. Right. As the steamship she's taken from New York arrives in Southampton a month after Will and Jem's uh, discovery, we're shown a special piece of jewelry. It's a clockwork angel that she wears around her neck, always. And now, I'm no expert, but methinks this clockwork angel locket our dear Tessa is wearing might, might be significant. That's not (laughs) just because it's the title of the book. So I have to say, while I was reading this this series, I pictured it as being like an inch, like a good inch long. And that's just, it feels like it'd be heavy. Yeah. But you think it's more of a locket. Well, she said it looks kind of like a locket. So that's the word okay. I used. But I think it's like a, like, just like a little, like the, like the length of your thumb, like a pendant. Yeah, that but just like seems big. big. Did you ever watch oh. uh, Mad Men? Yes. Okay. The redhead. I can't uh-huh. remember. She always had necklaces going down to her cleavage. Yeah. So she always had that necklace with the secretary pencil on it. Like that's what oh, I that what envision. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It just seems, I don't know. I, I usually, I almost always have a necklace on and it's always just very light. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I would, I would fuck with it too much, I guess. Maybe she's too fancy. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. also considering the fact that her dress is probably like, 20 pounds she's probably like man it's Mm -hmm. not that big it's not that much of a weight dude bitches were so lucky back then they got to hide their ass or just use extra pillows to make their waist look skinnier because you just make your butt look bigger that's all yeah i like it love it (laughs) okay so not much really happens at first we're just kind of getting introduced to tessa and spending some time in her inner monologue as she waits for the ship to dock so she can get off and start her new life in england how exciting yeah so we learn that tessa's brother lives in london and he sent for her to come live with him after their aunt harriet died the clockwork angel that tessa loves so much belonged to her mother before she died and it doesn't explicitly explicitly say anything about their dad but i'm guessing he's dead too since tessa was living with her aunt like right putting two and two together so So Tessa's brother, Nate, had written her letters telling her all about London. And from his descriptions, Tessa was not at all prepared for the dreary weather. And I'm like, that's like (laughs) the thing about England. Yeah, that's like Oregon. Right. (laughs) It's like, how did you not know? How many books have you read? She doesn't have Google. Okay, give her a break. (laughs) So I found this line really interesting. Um, It's. Uh, quote, she had sold most of her clothes to pay for her aunt's funeral, secure in the knowledge that her brother would buy her more when she arrived in London to live with him. Okay. 
<laughs> so obviously we have to account for the time. This is the late 1800s society. So talking about Monday is probably like considered super duper tacky, but I would want a little more certainty before I hopped on a boat for a six week journey across the high seas alone. How terrifying like, would that be? I'm sorry. You want me to sell everything I have, give away all my money to pay for this funeral, and then just hop on a boat and hope you meet me? I, I don't think... know. I guess what would else would she do as an unwed, yeah. like, young Like, she has to, right? But, like... With no- it's just right. so weird thinking of like as a as someone in modern times like that sounds insane. Like I need way more information. Yeah, but that's just like how things yeah. were done back then. Yeah, I I totally would do. I mean, I I am not um one to typically stand up for myself, so I'd be like, "Okay, that's fine." <laughs> Whatever. <Brother> knows best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As long as you're going to meet me there, we'll be all good. Right. Like, let's do this. Well, and I mean, obviously, she did it for her aunt, so she probably would have done it either way. Right. Honestly. Mm-hmm. She just is that honest of a per Honest. She seems like a good person. Yeah. I, I just, I would have so much anxiety about it. I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this. You might have to come get Buy me. underwear. I don't know. I no, think I'm just also, yeah. <laughs> I think she's probably... I don't know because I wasn't alive then, but I'm assuming most young women that age are used to doing what they're told. Yeah. Good point. Makes sense. As well, you know. Yeah. So Tessa disembarks and she's looking around the docks and there's no Nate. Surprise, surprise. I knew this couldn't be a happy situation. At this point... (laughs) Right. At this point, I would be in full panic mode. Like, someone get me a cell phone because I'm about to tear my brother a new one. Like, I'm not having it. Well, even worse back then because, yeah, Yeah. like, what do you do? You can't. There's no phone. Like, literally, what? I mean, you're just stuck there. That's just insane. Yeah. Yep. So all of a sudden, some super creepy riffraff looking dude appears in front of Tessa and is all, your brother sent me, come with me. And then just beats feet through the crowd without even looking back to make sure she's following. Pass. Right? I was like, mm, mm, I don't know. No. And with no cell phone, no jacket, no umbrella, and it's raining because it's London. Well, I guess it's Southampton, but it's England, so it's raining, right? Yep. (laughs) Tessa's like, YOLO, and follows the Devil's Rejects Extra to a big black carriage (laughs) hidden behind a pile of boxes. Okay. Sure. This seems fine. fuck? It's like that meme of the dog and the, like, house is on fire, and he's like, it's fine. Yeah. Everything's right. fine. She must, Nate must have some pretty terrible friends right. if she just followed him. Right. Like, I just, this, yeah, this seems like a sort of dude Nate hangs out with. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'm getting some gullible Clary vibes from Tessa, and I'm not sure I'm liking it. I'm like, mm, Tessa better wise up. This better be like a, mm-hmm. oh, I was innocent and I'm going to like get my shit together now thing. So, as if shit wasn't shady enough. Two equally creepy ladies calling themselves Mrs. Black and Mrs. Dark emerge from the carriage and they're all, You're we're your brother's friends. We've got candy. Get in the van. <laughs> Tessa's dubious for about a half a second, but then they give her a letter from her brother and she's like, mm, sounds legit. And then she calls shotgun. <laughs> so pulls a clary. Off we go. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the end of so the crazy. Yeah. So we fast forward to, uh, it sounds like it's been, I think it's been about a week or so. Um, it, and I think it's six weeks. Oh, is it? Oh, my bad. You're probably I'm gonna right. I'm going to double actually. check. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you're probably right. Okay. So anyway, there's a maid named Miranda and she comes to Tessa's room, uh, and tells her that the sisters want to see her. And apparently, um, this is similar to Groundhog's Day because this happens every day. Like this bitch comes to her room. She's like, they want to see you. 
And um, if Tessa doesn't go with Miranda to go to the sisters, she will just come back and then eventually we'll just drag her like kicking and screaming. And um, so Tessa's being held captive, we've realized. And um, she finally realizes that kicking and screaming is just going to do no good. So she eventually just gives in and starts to follow and go. Um, so after about a week, she eventually just gave in and just follows Miranda, which is literally what I just said. So, there you <laughs> <Right>. go. <Cool. laughs> so the room Tessa is in actually sounds kind of cute from the way she describes it. She has a brass bed and a small table with like lace draped over it. Kind of sounds cottagey and cozy. And she'd write letters to her brother every night um, while sitting um, at like the small little chair. And um, she knew that he would probably never get the letters, but she would write them anyway. And she would hide them underneath her mattress so the Dark mm. Sisters couldn't find them. It's just so sad. It's basically like she's keeping a journal in the form of writing yeah. the letters yeah. to her brother. It just, And, of course, I'm assuming, like, she's just sitting there worried about him instead of herself. Oh, yeah. Like, where is he? Obviously, something's happened to him because he wasn't yep. there. Um, and she's being held captive, so these people are terrible, which she obviously didn't catch on to when she met them. Right. Probably okay. shouldn't have gotten in the carriage. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that place was packed you could have yelled you didn't have the secret passcode right duh <laughs> like when your mom's friend's supposed to pick you up from school banana yeah <laughs> although I guess they had the letter from Nate so yeah so Tessa checks herself in the mirror before she goes um because the dark sisters don't like it when she looks messy like what do they care I, what she looks right? like it's so strange they sound gross so <laughs> do you have to be that picky <laughs> she knows to her yeah right She's a prisoner. Like, leave her alone. Right. <laughs> so she notes to herself about how pale and hollow-eyed she looks. Um, her trunk of clothes obviously didn't make it, as the sisters had promised, because back in the prologue, they were like, yeah, 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 we'll get that. Don't worry about it. Yeah. No, she never got it. So she's wearing the, a black dress that kind of sounds like Wednesday Adams-esque. I like it's it. Called, like a black school dress. Obviously, it's not that short like Wednesday Adams. But anyway. So she fondly thinks of her brother, Nate, and misses him. And she feels really alone uh, without him since he's, like, the only person in the world that she's connected to anymore now that her aunts died. Um, which is – Robin and I were just talking about this the other day. We, this is why we preach to our kids, like, your sibling is going to be your best friend. Mm -hmm. You better be nice to them. It doesn't work when you're kids. But anyway, we always realize it as adults. So anyway, Miranda returns to come collect Tessa, and she tells her, it is time. And it reminds me of when <sighs> Ethel says that when they're practicing on I Love Lucy when Lucy's going into labor. <laughs> it is time. Because they're all calm, and then they <laughs> fucking freak when it's really time, and they forget Lucy. They all leave, and she's just there for herself. Classic. Anyway, she says that... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She says that Mrs. Black and Mrs. Dark are waiting. So, like, let's go, girl. And I just want to know, like, what the f Mount Yeah. I want to know what the fuck kind of names those are. Like, what kind of dudes did these, did this, these bitches marry? <laughs> they got last names that are so similar because they're misses, so they must be married. Hey, Amanda. <laughs> hey, Amanda. I think they might be fake. Oh, dang. Really? You think? Oh, okay. Maybe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Tessa tries to decide how old Miranda is. And I totally do this too. I really do. When I meet someone new, I'm like, oh, I don't know. And sometimes they're talking to me and I'm not totally listening because I'm trying to figure out like how old they are or what they're into. So she can't really tell um, because she describes her face to have some sort of like an ageless type quality, which jealous. Mm -hmm. I could use some of that. <laughs> So, like, she could be five. She could be 30. Who knows? You know what I think Just kidding. Of? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she says, like, 19 or 25. She doesn't know. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so Miranda led Tessa to the Dark Sisters' office that was down in a musk, like, that literally is described as dank, which I just freaking Gross. love. <laughs> and it's this smelly cellar. It sounds like it's kind of far away, but this is, like... Between her room and the um, this office, that's the only place she's ever been allowed to go in this house. So she she knows the way. It sounds like she's pretty familiar. But um, how crazy to just be led down a hallway to one room to another. It's just, it's got to be so disorienting. Clearly, Valentine's so, decorator yeah. did not get there. Yeah. 
These are his parents, you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> so this room is so gross that the furniture is growing mold, Ew. which I have to add in here, okay? <laughs> My professional opinion. <laughs> Do not leave your box spring in the plastic because your mattress is going to absorb your heat and your sweat and it's going to pool up on the bottom of that plastic, on the top of that plastic and your mattress is going to get mold, okay? Don't do it. That's what this makes me think of. Gross. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> so despite their names, the sisters are dressed in bright colors. One is in pink and one is in like peacock blue. And Humbridge. this room is, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> So this room is hot and gross and they're still wearing gloves, which I don't remember if it says what color they are, but I imagine they're white. I don't know why. I'm sorry. Maybe they match their outfits. Seriously. The way know. they're dressed is so much more unnerving. Yes. Right. Because it like it, it speaks to their mental state. Right. They're wearing these like really flamboyant, colorful gowns that are like really nice, but they're doing these horrible, deplorable things. Yeah, it 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 reeks of there's a couple screws loose. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, "Eh, I don't know if I like that. (laughs) So the nicer of the two sisters um, hands. Hey, who's fucking with me? Robin. Who did that? Robin. It wasn't me. Somebody. It said your name. It said Robin. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Called you out. Google caught you. (laughs) <laughs> red-handed anyway the nicer of the two sisters hands tessa a hair ribbon and apparently they often ask her to um they just hand her like random things that belong to other people and um so she's told to take she's told to take this ribbon and change so she remembers back to the first time they gave her an object and told her to change and they continued to hit her and shake her and shit while um, she told them she had no idea what the fuck they were talking about. They're like hitting her and shaking her. She's like, what do you want from me? <laughs> and eventually they um, they told her that if she didn't do what they were asking her to do, that they would kill her brother Nate because they had him, which is what I assumed when I read that she was held captive. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So they proved um, that they had him um, because they had a family ring that had belonged to Nate and it had blood on it. Sad. So one day Tessa finally was able to change and it was so painful that she vomited and then passed out. Kind of sounds like labor a little bit to me, but okay. (laughs) I kept falling asleep from the pain. (laughs) They're like, are you literally sleeping? Yeah. I'm tired, bro. Been up for three days. Anyway, (laughs) when she finally came to, she was on the floor and Mrs. Black was patting like a damp towel on her forehead like your mommy did when you had a fever. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. she's telling Tessa like she did really well. And I feel like I remember from the audiobook it was more creepy than I feel like I would have given the voices. So I'm really glad that I did the audiobook. But their voices are just like, you did so well. You know, it's just so creepy. No, thank you. So anyway, creepy. imagine them as super creep. Okay, but also, like, why not just tell her what, like, give her the information. Like, tell her yeah. what you want her to do and why. Explain yeah, it to her. she literally just, they're basically like, let this take you. And she's like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> Explain it. <laughs> and all of us were. We're all just like, what does changing mean? Tell us. <laughs> and it's a capital C. Yeah, also. it is. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So apparently she had done well enough that the sisters gave her two new books to read when she got back to her room. Hey. And after that, it started to become easier for Tessa to go through this change. So um, this time we come back to current time. She grips the hair ribbon tighter and, like, opens her mind. She allows her spirit, like, she allows the spirit that's connected to the ribbon to come to her. So it's like she's merging with this other spirit. And all of the noise and grossness in this room around her start to fade. And she felt this intense tingling from her head to her toes. And um, the clockwork angel on her necklace starts to kind of sync with her heart rate. And this kind of reminds me of Izzy's pendant, Mm -hmm. sort of in a way, you know, the connection there. Um, Anyway, so pressure built inside Tessa's skin, and then it was over. And she just was back to herself, I guess. Sorry. Let me cut you off. Thank you. I'm surprised they didn't take her necklace from her. 
Right. Uh huh. Like, why let her have something like uh that? I was watching NCIS Uh recently and someone had dropped their necklace so that some, like, the people could find them, find the person. They're like, usually captors don't let them keep jewelry. We watched that episode last night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so Tessa's blinking to reorient herself um, and she looks down at her new body. Is it banging? Which sounds cool, oh. but it's not. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's transformed into this frail, thin, like pale skin, chapped lips okay. person. And Mrs. Black is like, who are you? Who, 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 who? <laughs> and um, the person who Tessa has changed with a capital C into talks for her which has got to be like next level goosebumps that's nope. a no for me dog seriously yeah anyway she tells says states whatever her name is emma bayless and miss black asked her to like elaborate and <laughs> as she starts to tell her story tessa's able to see all of the thoughts as if they were Ooh. in her mind as emma is thinking about them to get Gross. them out Whew. yep <sighs> Emma was one of six children born in Cheapside, and I had to, like, I'm guessing check. that's not the rich side. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did I write that down wrong? No, I didn't. That's what is in the book. <laughs> her father had died, and her mother sold peppermint water in the East End, and Emma had learned to sew to bring in some extra money for, you know, what since she was a small child. So her nights were... Sew. So, uh, get it? Didn't... Nah. <laughs> Her nights were spent sitting at the table, like in their kitchen, sewing by this dim candlelight. And sometimes when the candle burned out and there was no money for more, she would go into the streets and like sew by the light of the gas lamps. I, oh. that, what, ah, I don't even have words for that. That's sad. That's so sad. So Mrs. Dark interrupts to ask her if that's how, what she was doing the night she died. And that is rude. You can't just going around asking people how they died, okay? <laughs> it's like asking how much they weigh. Yeah, don't do that. Anyway, so Tessa's able to see this narrow, shadowed street, silver needlework. And she's able to hear muffled steps from the darkness and then hands grab her shoulders, dragging her screaming into the darkness. The needlework falls to the ground and the ribbons are ripped from her hair. There's this harsh, uh, yeah, dude, for real. So there's this harsh voice shouting, and then a knife ripping through the darkness and piercing her skin. And she describes the pain as like fire, just, and then this terror, worse than anything she'd ever known, like washes over her. And she's kicking at the man holding her. She's able to knock the knife from his grasp and grab it and run, um, which good for Emma. Sounds like yeah, hell yes. Right? So she's stumbling and, like, blood is, like, pooling from this, like, large rip in her room, like, in her side, her body. I said yeah. side. I don't know if that's where it is. That's where I imagined it was. Her body. Her, her soul. Yeah. So she's, like, blood is, like, splattering down as she's running, like, down the alley. And she can't make it any further, like, too much blood loss. So she just crumples into a ball. And um, as she's laying there, she hears this hissing scream. And she's basically, like, she knows it's coming for her, so she just hopes she dies before it gets to her. Crazy. Which is, like, that's got to be horrifying, obviously. Not only for this girl, Emma, but also Tessa is having to relive and actually, like, physically feel those moments. And how many times has she had to go through this? Yeah, how many times have they already done this to her with different people? Absolutely. Because I'm assuming, yeah, she's, she's doing it for dead people, not living people. Right? I wonder if it would work for a living person. No, yeah, that was gonna be yeah, that was gonna be my question is all are all these people dead that she's making her change into and then relive their death? Yep. Fuck. Yeah. That's awful. Anyway, finally, Tessa's ripped from the change and is herself again. Standing like in that nasty ass room, holding like the bow that we know now is from Emma Bayless. And Mrs. Black asks like where Emma is. And Tessa replies that she's dead. She had bled to death in an alley. So okay. I'm assuming 
So they assumed she was alive. And they just wanted to know. Because she's like, good. Okay. I'm glad. Like, she was troubling us or whatever. Like, you're glad this Mm. child is dead? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Creepy ass voices, too. I think we have some new enemies here. Enemies. Yep. And then she, like, praises Tessa for a job well done, to which she doesn't reply. She just looks in and she sees blood splattered on her dress. And she's not in pain anymore, and it's not her blood. Crazy. And this wasn't the first time that something like this had happened. Um, She tries to keep it together, but she feels like she's going to faint, which obviously I would, too. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It just makes me wonder, like, if there's blood on her, is, like, what goes to say that in that moment, the next time they make you change, you're not worried that something's going to hurt you or, yeah, that you're going to die the same way? Yep. Nope. Yeah. The fuck out of there. Too sweet. Faux show. So... Mrs. Dark is like, like, good job, Tessa. But I wasn't sure that, like, you were going to be, like, she's talking to her sister, not to Tessa. But she's like, I wasn't sure that Mm -hmm. she was going to be able to do it, considering, like, what happened with the Adams woman. And so I don't want to know. This clicks Tessa back to remember um, a few weeks ago when they'd asked her to change into a woman who died from a gunshot wound to the heart. She changed and blood had, like, poured down the front of her dress. And she changed back immediately, screaming hysterically until she was, like, able to, like, realign and realize that she was herself and not this other person. Mm. Yeah. Just fucking blood pooling. Dude. Yeah. Of course she did. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, yeah, to just, like, try to get – how traumatic that must be, the nightmares she must have reliving these people's deaths. And, obviously, because she keeps having blood on her. No bueno. And do they give her new clothes? Or does she have to, like, go in these blood-stained clothes? Yeah. Maybe Miranda cleans them that for her. I guess. Ew. She has to get down to her undies like, every day. Ow. Ow. So the dick, I mean, dark sisters. <laughs> have a discussion about how pleased they are with their young captor's progress. Calling her um, unformed clay and how ex- and exclaiming how they're basically like miracle workers. And the magister is going to be so pleased. <laughs> agreeing that it's time for Teresa to meet their master. And Tessa's like obviously confused like the rest of us. And she's like, who the hell is this magister dude? And of course she isn't able to ask any questions. And um, Miranda is summoned to take her back to her room. But not before she hears Mrs. Black say that tomorrow might be the day or maybe even tonight. He's going to be so super excited that, like, I bet he just won't be able to wait. He's going to be so excited. And I don't like where this is going. Nope. So. Yeah. Dude. They're basically yeah. selling her. Ugh. Mrs. Dark, like, brings her back down to reality and is like, listen, Linda, we have to make sure that, like, she's just ready. So, Sorry. Mrs. Dark brings her sister back to reality, not mm-hmm. Tessa. And she's like, listen, <laughs> Linda, we have to make sure that she just she's isn't just ready. Like she has to be presentable. And before we can hear like the rest of their conversation, um, Miranda shows up and she isn't even slightly affected by the scene in front of her. She does not. She gives two shits. And she's told to take Teresa. No, Tessa. <laughs> she's told <laughs> to take Tessa upstairs to get the. That is her name. Things. And get her dressed and ready. And Miranda's like, could you be more constructive with your feedback? Like, what are these things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the dark sisters, like, rush up to her. And they start whispering. And Tessa's able to pick out a few words. Dresses, wardrobe room, quote, make her look pretty. And Tessa's like, damn, dude. Why does this matter to dude care what I look like? Why all the hubbub? And she could just transform okay. and look however they wanted her to. Like, she can transform into anybody and look like anybody they want her to look like. Like, why do they care? Like. Yeah. You know, and something that for some reason you're saying this now, I realize I didn't put in my section, is um, Tessa. um, I think I maybe I skipped a part because I feel like she was looking at herself in the mirror or whatever. Anyway, so she is tall and she's basically like Sarah plain and tall. 
tall and plain. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Joe. I don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> it's an old song. Anyway, so she's really plain and like she doesn't consider herself to be beautiful, to be beautiful or anything. So it's interesting to think about them saying to make her look good and stuff when she, to begin with, didn't feel great about herself. Can you imagine after all yeah. of that? trying to make yourself look presentable for some random dude but this is also a ya novel so of course she doesn't think she's pretty but she's really gorgeous right (laughs) that's fair she's gonna take off her glasses and she'll be beautiful don't worry (laughs) but also also (sighs) like oh boy she is so just like naive Mm mm-hmm my mind would uh-huh. be going to one place and one place only immediately the first time. I'd be like, oh, God. Like, she's just not. It's taken yep. her a while to get up on yep. the uptake. She's clicking the. <laughs> she doesn't have them street smarts. <laughs> well, I think things have gone bad in our society so often nowadays. Or maybe we just have more access to bad information Fair with the enough. internet that we're more yeah. suspicious. This is all those crime podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, on her way out the room, the sisters are like, look, <laughs> this is basically the culmination of all of your training. So, like, don't fuck it up. It's like their pearl of wisdom, and then they're gone. So, Miranda, like, goes to take Tessa upstairs. Um, like she's getting ready or whatever. And she's, of course, Tessa's like wondering like who this dude is and what's going to happen to her. Um, so she decided that she's going to ask Miranda, um, even though she's never really answered any of her questions before. She's like, I'm just going to take a stab in the dark and ask Miranda who this guy is. Roll the dice. And to her surprise, she does answer. Yeah. Her. And you guys, apparently the magister's like totally wicked cool. Like, the best. And Tessa's just so lucky that she gets to be the one that marries him. Yep. Marries. That's where we were going. You're finally with us now, Tessa. And Tessa is shooketh. And she's like, no, no, no. Elsa told me that you can't marry a man you just (laughs) I was just going to say, what are you, Elsa? (laughs) But Miranda's convinced. She's like, it's a great honor. I don't really care what you have to say. Like, come on. I got a job to do here. Like, time is ticking. So Tessa starts scanning the room. And she's, like, going into panic mode. Realizing, like, she's blocked in. There's no doors. No way. She has no way out except past Miranda up the stairs. So she backs away, pleading with Miranda. Like, please, please, please. But again, this woman is the top half of a mullet business. <laughs> oh my god Jesus. that's our title by the way top half of the a top, mullet the top oh, half yes, of a is. mullet yeah. as Miranda <laughs> approaches closer Tessa reaches down and grabs like a brass globe and smacks this bitch she clocks she clockworks <laughs> Miranda upside the head uh, and to her surprise it's probably the finial from her bed that's that's why we talked about a yes. brass bed. Got it. So sorry. To her surprise, <laughs> her entire face caves in like a paper mask, but there's no blood. Nope. Nope. And Miranda like repeats herself. <laughs> nope. Says, you must come with me now. No. Until her voice. I don't like it. Two weeks. Gibberish, like when the toy you bought for uh-uh. your kid starts running out of batteries and sounds possessed. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. And you're you know like, what I'm oh, talking it's about broken. Where it's like, no. Put, 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 put. the Lego in the basket. No. Like the Furbies? No. <laughs> no, I don't like it. I'm I'm not a yeah. fan. My kid was afraid of her Furby. She yeah. put it in the no. garage. Yeah. <laughs> so Miranda starts going haywire, running, like flailing around until she finally smacks into a wall and goes prone. <laughs> Chris. And Tessa? I mean, let's be honest here. This feels like the best case scenario for someone like Tessa because she seems so meek and like she listens to everyone. Like you didn't just murder a real person, obviously, because her head just caved in and she's. Yeah, it's it's okay. You didn't murder anybody. You're good, Good. girl. Lawful good. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. It's self-defense. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Tessa books it. Okay. Like, she's got her head on her shoulders. She's out the door. Swearing that she sees smoke rising from Miranda's body, but not really being able to, like, look back to know for certain. So she's no. coming up the stairs, reaches the long hallway, and it's lined with doors. And she frantically, like, tries to open some of them, but they're locked. So she keeps going. She reaches another set of stairs, goes up it, and finds an entryway. And her heart's, like, racing and pounding, and she pulls the door open. And the smell of the city hits her because she hasn't been outside. Like, smelled outside air since she oh, was God. captured. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. twilight outside and foggy. And she could, like, <laughs> hear voices in the distance, like kids and children and stuff. But the, her, the street she's on is deserted, except for one man. And Tessa, like, tries to go up and ask for help, but realizes, dun, dun, dun. It's dun, a sister dun, dun. No. She tries to run, but it's too late, baby. Yeah. <sighs> too late dude she got so far she tried so hard and got so far but in the end it didn't even matter (laughs) it didn't even matter oh it is (laughs) this is disturbing and i don't it's a lot i love the mystery yes it's gonna be amazing and you know what? It is. I'm so, I'm I just week. love it. Because you know what next week is? Tell us. It's chapter two. Hell is cold. <gasps> I feel like hell probably wouldn't be cold. I feel like but okay, I'll cold, take it. Like, <laughs> emotionally, you know? Okay, okay. I got gotcha. you. Look at you, like, writing poetry over there, girl. <laughs> Smoking a doobie. <laughs> hey, that's my job. It's all good. <laughs> okay guys well for behind the scenes content and the latest updates check us out on instagram at downworlderdishpodcast we'll see you next time bye